I'm trying. I'm trying. It's not like I'm not trying, Brohensky. I'm trying hard. Live from Beit Shemesh and broadcasted around the world, you are listening to the From Entrepreneur Podcast with your host, Nahum Kligman. Interviews and advice from Jewish entrepreneurs from around the world. Listen, learn, be Masliach. Wow, in this episode, I am interviewing Joe Applebaum. What a crazy, insane episode this is. Incredibly inspiring. We learn about his business. We learn about his, uh, you know, how he got started. We learn how he was able to lose something like 100 pounds and keep it off. I can't begin to tell you how exciting this episode is, how much I've learned, how much I've been inspired. I know, I know you will too. Before we get started, I just want you to hear this quick message from our sponsor to help us make this happen. Looking to make more money? Do you sell services or want to earn extra cash on the side? Book Like a Boss is the ultimate software to sell services and book appointments. You get your own custom webpage, which includes everything you need. Book Like a Boss integrates with your existing calendars, sends reminder emails, is fast, secure, simple to use, and looks great on mobile. Visit booklikeaboss.com and get started for free. Welcome to another awesome episode of The From Entrepreneur. And this is an episode that I've been wanting to do for a long time. I have with me an awesome guest, Joe Applebaum, CEO of, of uh, Ajax Union. That's what we call it. Yep, Ajax Union. Ajax Union. And we've been on the, you know, we've met a couple of times now already. And I've been following this guy on LinkedIn, especially, but really all over social media. Super energetic, awesome, awesome guy. Um, runs an incredible marketing company. And Joe, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I saw you speak at the JBiz Expo and it was really great. And I had the pleasure of speaking after you. And we had such a great time there. So great to be on your show. Yeah, I think, you know, anytime we get to, you know, we get to be together and, and just see, you know, any, any type of event or convention, you just get to meet people and go out there and actually speak, in, you know, especially to nowadays to speak actually face to face with people. You know, I mean, here yeah. we're doing a podcast. I'm in Israel. You're in uh, Brooklyn, right? And, uh, you know, with social media today, you know, I think uh, conventions and actually meeting people face to face is uh, even more important. Yeah, it's kind of like the times of Mashiach where you can be anywhere, anytime with anybody and totally be connected. It's really, really powerful that we have this technology that unites us. And, you know, the thing is for people to actually utilize the technology, not to lurk but to engage. There's a lot of people on social media that are constantly lurking. They're watching, 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 but they feel lonely because they're not engaging. And it's because they're afraid of getting judged or any of that stuff. So I always tell people, get into it. Engage in social media. Have and build authentic relationships. If you want to be able to get more referrals and more business, it's all about having the courage to put yourself out there, make a comment, make a like. So if you're watching this on social media, Take a moment and give it a like. Take a moment and make a comment about something that you find interesting. Or if you don't agree with something that we say, write that you don't agree. You don't have to hate on us, but you can, in a nice way, share your own experience. That's, you know, it's super true. And, and you know, when it comes to, you know, people say, how can you speak publicly? How can you, uh, you know, get out there and do these things? And I think, 
you know, and I've spoken about this in the past, like one of the biggest fears that people have and which holds them back by, from success is that they're afraid of what people are going to say about them. And let me, Joe, if, if you were afraid every time you posted something or went out there and did something, spoke, published something online, you know, would you be where you are today? Well, the truth is I was afraid. I was afraid of what people would say about me. And I had to overcome that fear in order to really get to where I am today. Now, there's one thing of being successful and making money in business by hiring other people and by growing your business. There's another thing to not only just be successful in business, but be successful in your own life as an individual. For a really long time, I was afraid of laning. Why was I afraid of laning? And talking about laning the Torah, reading the Torah. I was afraid of reading the Torah. Why? The reason I was afraid of reading the Torah is because growing up, my teacher told me, you can't read. You're not a reader. You're not the type of person that reads. And that's what I kind of had the belief that I just don't read. I'm not a reader. I try to read. I kind of read with my eyes. But if I try to say the words, they come out wrong. And I started challenging a lot of my beliefs once I lost my 95 pounds over the past five, six years. I actually wrote a book about it called High Energy Secrets. And yeah, I, was, I wanted to get to that. So, yeah. So, you know, the, the idea is that I had all these beliefs around being afraid, what people would say. And I hired a, 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 a laning coach, a Torah reading coach. And we sat down and the first thing he said was, why haven't you laned till now? Why'd you wait 15 years, 18 years? I said, because I don't know how to read. It's going to be really hard for you to coach me because I don't read. And so he said, all right, let's try to read. And he's, I was like, I don't, I can't. He's like, okay, let's see. And I started reading and he's like, slow down. And I was like, okay. And then, and then I started reading and I made more mistakes. And he's like, slow down. So I started reading and he's like, slow down. And I was like, okay. And he's like, I, he was like, I just want you to say the syllables. Say every syllable slowly. So I started saying the syllables and I read the whole thing perfectly without one mistake. And he's like, you know how to read perfectly. You just don't know how to read fast because you haven't practiced. And my mind was blown. My mind was blown in that moment because... The same thing happens in your business. The same thing happens in your relationship. The same thing happens in your health. We think that we can't do something. The thing is, you can do that. You just can't do that fast. There is no goal that's too big. It's only a question of whether how long it will take for you to achieve that goal. So if you want to build a business that's a million dollars in revenue, you want to do it overnight. It may not happen overnight. But if you have a big, hairy, audacious goal, whatever that goal might be to build a billion-dollar company, it might take you 25 years like it took Apple, or it might take you decades and decades for you to accomplish what you want. It's not going to happen overnight. So I always tell everybody, if you want to do public speaking, when Google came over to me to become a certified Google trainer, I was petrified because I was like, I had that belief that, you know, people are going to judge me and I might say the wrong thing and all that stuff. So I went over to Rabbi Jacobson. I said, Rabbi Jacobson, how do you do it? How do you get up and give Shiore Taira? How are you such a Taira expert? He's like, I learned 16 hours a day because I'm super passionate about it. But when I started, I was afraid of public speaking too. So he gave me a couple of tips where he's like, there's nothing like experience. There's nothing like doing it. So if you go back to 2009 and look at my Facebook, I had pictures of cats on my profile. <laughs> I was afraid of doing this stuff. So I just tell people, you just got to go out and do it. And the more you do it, the better you become at it. And then you watch the people that are, that are doing it constantly when they just start. Gary Vaynerchuk. I'm sure you heard of Gary Vaynerchuk, a nice Russian Jewish guy. Yep. He started off. Go look at his first video. It had zero views. 
And he was sitting there just kind of like totally winging it on YouTube and not sure what he was going to do. And after doing them daily for years and years and years and years and years, finally he got the hang of it and he started becoming the expert that he is today and having the confidence to get on stage and to be able to share openly and freely. And that doesn't happen overnight. 100%. You know what? You just said so much over there. But let's take one thing. You talk about goals. You mentioned Gary Vee, um, who I've been a fan of also. Uh, we got we to gotta bring him uh, you know, a little bit more on, on our derech. Uh, he'll get there one day. Because can you imagine if he was an ambassador for uh, Orthodox Judaism? <laughs> just being yeah. incredible. But um, so, he, he, you know, his goal is well known. His goal, his mission is to one day be able to buy the New York Jets. Right? That's what he said is limit. What is your goal? What do you want to achieve? I want to help 1,000 hungry entrepreneurs go from frustration to motivation. I want to be able to help people. I was looking in Pirkeyavis, and I was looking for the number a million. And the number is actually there. I don't know if you ever noticed, if you ever went through the whole Pirkeyavis, but we go through the Pirkeyavis during the summer. We, don't, we do it also between Pesach and Shavuos, but we also do it over the summer. And I was always obsessed with the seven-figure lifestyle and how to build a million-dollar business because a million dollars is a big deal. Only a small percentage of businesses actually get over the million-dollar mark. It's a significant milestone to take your, especially in the service business, to get to a million dollars in revenue. It's a big deal. And I was fortunate enough to getting from our business half a million to a million to two million to four million and really growing our agency very quickly. Within a very short period of time, we were featured number 178 on the Inc. 5000 as one of the fastest growing companies in America. And what I realized is that to build your business, you gotta build yourself. You first have to build yourself as an individual to be able to build your business. So I, so I wanna take, I, yeah, okay, go ahead. No, so what I tell people is you have to have a plan, you have to have, you know, you're talking about goals, right? Like what are your goals? How do you achieve it? How do you become successful? You got to take a step back and figure out, what do I really want to achieve? What, what is my goal? And if you take a look at Pirkei Avais, you look for the word a million, there is no word a million. There's only a thousand thousands. Alfei mm. Alafim. Because they said, would you be willing to, we'll give you gold, we'll give you silver, move out of your town, come to our town, we want you to be the rub of our town. And he's like, even if you give me all the gold in the world, all the riches in the world, I'm not going to move anywhere. And the idea is that there is no one million. There's only thousand, thousand. A thousand times a thousand is a million. So if you can get, if you can get the idea of a thousand, a thousand, if you can just get the idea of, I don't know if you ever read the article called the 1,000 True Fans. Sure, of Somebody course. wrote an article that if you have a thousand true fans, you can make a business out of, so people are trying to get, become influencers and they want to get a million hits on their video. You know what I tell people? I'd rather have a thousand people watch a thousand pieces of my content rather than have a million people watch one piece of my content. Mm. Why? Because that's how you build a business. That's how you get to that million dollar mark by focusing on the thousand. So if you ask me what my mission is, I want to impact a thousand people. I want a thousand hungry entrepreneurs go from frustration to motivation because people are frustrated. If you're not frustrated and you're not hungry, I can't help you. But if you are hungry and you are frustrated and you want to take things to the next level, whether it's in your health, in your business, in your finances, in any area of your life or all the areas you want to have balance in your life, well, then you might want to join my motivation group. I have a Facebook group. I have 591 entrepreneurs. I started it this year. 
And every day we do 10 minutes of motivation and we get in there, we get excited, we review books like The Untethered Soul, like Think and Grow Rich, very powerful books that help people be able to improve their mindset and be able to take their business and their life to the next level. So you asked me what my goal is. When I launched my business, I wanted to hit a million dollars in revenue. But the reality right. was if I can just get 100 clients to pay me 1,000 bucks a month, then I'm there. Right. And I right. made it so simple and so so concrete that I was able to get there within a very short period of time. And my mother spent a decade trying to build her business because she was always trying to get rich quick, make as much as possible and trying to get lucky. And I said, Ma, you already are lucky. You have me as your son. <laughs> you know, I said that to my mom also. <laughs> <laughs> so so tell, tell me a little bit more about the Ajax story because you know I've gotten to know you a little bit over the years, but for those listeners that aren't familiar with you, what's your story, what's your background? Tell me about Ajax, how you came up with it, Tell us about those early years, getting started, some of the trials and tribulations you had. Um, and I guess it sounds like you came from a, from a family of entrepreneurs. Yeah. So my mother was entrepreneurial. My grandfather was entrepreneurial, but they were never really successful entrepreneurs. There's a lot of entrepreneurs out there. Like I said, 96% of businesses are doing less than a million dollars in revenue. And the average business does less than 5% profit. So it's very difficult to make a living if you're doing you know, $200,000 a year at 5% profit, you're making very little money. You're not making enough to be able to do what you need to do. And if you take a look at your shul or at your community, you're gonna see that most people are not like wildly successful. They're not living wildly successful. And some people that are living wildly successful in their business, they're probably not wildly successful in their health or not wildly successful in their personal relationships or in their spirituality. So to find people that have balance is very difficult. It's not a common thing. And so, you know, for me, growing up, watching, watching my parents, watching my grandparents, learning from society, seeing what's out there, you know, my mother was a really great role model for work ethic, right? She, she worked 16 hours a day, so did my grandfather. What were their but businesses? They, so my mother had a store on the Lower East Side. I don't know if you're familiar with the Orchard Street and Delancey Street. Sure. And that's kind of like where I grew up. She had an idea to sell women's clothing. Bernstein's. She a little boutique. She started with her credit card. She bought a bunch of sweaters and whatever. She opened up her store. And eventually she kept reinvesting and reinvesting in the business. She went from one store to three stores. But she still couldn't make it because she had three self-limiting beliefs that entrepreneurs typically have. The first one is you got to be lucky to make it. You got to have luck. You got to literally have luck. And I believe everything comes from Hashem. But the reality is you got to have a hard work and a lot of preparation and a great strategy because hope is a great thing. But hope, hope is not a great strategy. Right. Luck is not a great strategy. I'm going to get lucky is not a great strategy. What you want to do is you want to have a clear plan, have a revenue goal. What do you want to get to and have a clear? My mother never really had a revenue goal. She was like most people. When I got up at the JBiz Expo, I said, how much money do you guys want to make? I don't know if you remember this, but I said, how much money do you guys want to make? And most people say as much as possible. And if your goal is as much as possible, you're never going to get there because there's never any amount. Misha writes a Misha Yeshle Mana writes a Masayim, right? Anybody right. that has a certain amount, if you have Maya, you want Masayim. You want more, you want more, you want more, you want more. Right. And so the reality is you got to set a specific goal and then have a plan to get to that goal. And then Merit Hashem, you'll be lucky to get to that goal. But if you don't have the goal and you don't have the plan, you don't have the strategy, you don't have the people, it's not going to work. That's step number one. Step number two is trust. Most people don't trust their employees. They don't trust the government. They don't trust their competitors. They don't trust society. And because you have a lack of trust, what you end up having is a lack of confidence. 
And lack of confidence is a very big problem that a lot of people deal with. And my mother dealt with saying things like telling me things. I said, Ma, why don't you hire a store manager to manage your store and you go build more stores? Because obviously you went from one store to three store, you tripled your business. You probably need 10 or 20 stores. She's like, no, 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 no. If I get a store manager to manage my store, they're going to steal my business. Why shouldn't they open up their own store? Because most people are not entrepreneurs. I didn't know how to tell her that then. Right. Until I started my own business and had my own 75 employees working for me full time, I realized, oh my gosh, I can really trust people to manage my business for me so that I can go out and continue to strategize and build and think two, three years ahead instead of thinking about the day to day. So when I realized that and I learned that, I started realizing that a lot of entrepreneurs have an issue with delegating and trusting and all that stuff. And then the third self-limiting belief is around change. They say, if you ain't broke, if it ain't broke, don't fix don't it, fix right? It. You heard that saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Sure. I tell people, dude, but you are broke. You <laughs> literally are broke. You got to fix it. You got to change. Pain is only suffering if you're not willing to accept it as transformation, as change. Whenever you want to learn to do push-ups or you want to grow your business, you're going to go through pain. But pain doesn't equal suffering. Pain just equals something needs to change. If you're uncomfortable, you got to change something to up your game so that you can transform yourself. And most of it's in your mindset. It's 80% mindset. It's only 20% skill set. So the skill sets you can learn. Form, a, lot of, a lot of from you didn't say that, oh, we never had the formal education. Formal education is great. It'll make you a living. But eh, self-education, right. self-education will Nothing. make you a fortune. Everything 100%. that I learned in my business, talk about my, my history, I needed to learn myself. When I was 17, I went to my mother and I said, Ma, I'm going to fail in life. And she said, why? I said, because you didn't send me to college. You sent me to yeshiva to become a rabbi, and I got smicha, but, you know, I, I'm going to fail. She's like, you want to succeed? You want to succeed? Hop in the car with me. And I said, okay. I hopped in the car with her. She took me to the Brooklyn Public Library. She said, you go in there, all the knowledge in the world's available there. This is before the Google times, before they had this thing called Google. And she's like, just go in there, and you can access and read anything. She's like, what are you passionate about? I said, computers. I want to learn computers. She's like, go take out 10 books on computers. I went, I got a bunch of books on computers. I went home. We bought a computer for the first time and I started learning web design and I started learning IT and I started learning all these things myself and I became obsessed with it, completely and totally obsessed with it. And I started building websites for people. And then eventually people started paying me to build websites and I started fixing computers for people. So that was like my start. Everything that I know today in business and in life was self-education. Yeah, no, I'm a big proponent of that, and I totally agree, um, you know, especially in the entrepreneurial world. I'd rather – I tell people that come to me for advice, and I just uh, met with somebody, a young kid, um, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he's actually young. He's about 21, 22. He's getting married in a couple of weeks, and he said, should I go to college? I want to be an entrepreneur. Should I go to college for four years, or should I just start a business? I said, start a business. I said, why take that hundred thousand dollars you're going to put towards college? You can put it towards a business, and you're going to learn more. Even if the business fails, you're going to learn more by taking an idea, starting it up, getting employees, dealing with customers, handling customer service, and like you said, you started from scratch, and you know, and you work yourself up. There's nothing like experience. The experience that uh, starting from the bottom and growing something and knowing every aspect and every step of how to create a successful business. I always tell people, if you don't want to be an entrepreneur, it's totally fine. If you don't want to start your own business, if you just want to be like, you know, a CPA at a firm or a lawyer or somebody that actually needs an advanced degree, then go invest in college, get that specialized degree, take it seriously, and you can build a beautiful career and make a lot of money by having a formal education. But you're not going to be able to necessarily build a fortune doing that because you're still going to have to do what you said 
You're still going to have to hustle on the ground and do your thing. And there's nothing wrong with going to college because not only do you get an education, but you also get the relationships that come network. with college and the network that comes with college, especially if you go to the to an Ivy League school like Harvard or whatever. Harvard's all about the relationships that you build while you're there, not so much about the content that you're learning. Of course, you're going to learn some really great content, but all that content's available for free online. It has to do with the relationships and the way that you learn it and what you do. So the idea is, the idea that I, you know, for me, it was, it was about hustling, working hard. Like I, I work so hard. I had a full-time job at thewatchery.com when I started Ajax Union. I had a full-time job at thewatchery.com what year as, is this? As the CMO, 2007, 2007, 2006, okay. 2006. So you're, so you're working for the Watchery? Full -time, yeah, I had a full-time job at the, at the watchery com, and 2006, 2007, 2008. And what happened was that I met my partner in 2007, and he walked into my room one day, and we're talking and schmoozing, and I was telling him about my web design business that I had on the side, about my IT business that I had on the side, that I had a sukkah building business. I basically had a full-time job, and I had seven side hustles. That's wow. what I had. I had a bunch of different things. I had, a, I had an office on Eastern Parkway that when I would come home, have dinner with my wife, and then I would go to my second office, and I had a bunch of part-time people working for me that were kind of revenue sharing because I didn't want to pay salaries. So I would revenue share with them from the stuff that I would do. So I was doing everything. I was all over the place. And my partner basically said, you want to start a company? And we started a company called Ajax Union, a marketing company. And then in 2009, when the company finally, you know, he got fired in 2008 from his job. So he decided he was going to work full time in the business. It was perfect. And then in 2009, May What's 2009, his name? his name is Zevi Friedman. May 2009, he um, he basically came over to me and said, Joe, if we want to build this business to be a million dollar company, you have to work here full time. And now we could afford to pay you a full time salary. So I went to my CEO of thewatchery.com and I said, listen, you know, you know, my partner Zevi, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. How's the business going? He said, I said, really great. I said, he wants me to come work full time for him. What do I do? Cause you're my mentor. What do I do? Cause I was always very close with all the CEOs that I worked for. As a matter of fact, every time I left the job, they would do business with me after they would hire me. So the CEO said, you know what? I said, should I go work full time? I love working here. I love managing the 200 people that I'm managing here. I love, he's like, dude, you did so much for us. You helped our company grow from 3 million to 40 million in revenue. You yourself managing all the marketing, managing all the sales, doing all the stuff. But now it's time for you to be your own CEO. Now it's time for you to build your own legacy. So what I want you to do is I want you to go work full time and I will be your biggest client. I gave him wow. a very big hug and I said, okay, I'm in. I went to my wife. I told her what happened. She's like, go do it. And when I walked into my office for the first time, Zevi's like, hang on a second. You can't start working here yet. I said, why? He's like, because I need you to focus. And I was like, what do you mean focus? He's like, you got to get rid of all your side hustles. And I was like, oh no, I can't do that. <laughs> I'm making money off all that other stuff. He's like, then sell it, figure it out. But if you want to build a multi-million dollar business, you have to be all in. You got to put all your eggs in this basket because otherwise it's not going to work. You're gonna, your mind's going to be thinking about other stuff. I need you to think about this while you sleep. This is the only way. This is, you got to burn the boats. I, I don't know if you guys ever read Think and Grow Rich, but if you haven't read it, he talks Napoleon about- Napoleon Hill. Yeah, Napoleon Hill talks about if you want to take the island, if you want to guarantee that you're going to win, when you get to the island, tell the soldiers to burn all the boats because there's no way to get out. You either, you either win or you die. So that's how you, you burn the boats. You know you're going to do this. So I had to burn the boats. So I sold a bunch of the businesses. I rolled in some of the businesses, and then I closed some. 
And I was like, I'm in, I'm all in, I'm doing this. I took a very big risk and I had no security blanket, nothing. And you know what? I had no choice. I had to make it work. And I said, if there's ever a time that I'm going to make this work, it's going to be now, 2009, right after the recession, we're going to build this business. And what was the year, business back in it was, it was, uh, we offered an SEO plan called the Anubi plan, where we offered articles, blogs, classified ads, directories, social media, social bookmarking for $599 a month. We offered this small SEO package. It was a month to month plan. You had full transparency, full ownership over everything we did. And that's basically was the pitch. We went off out of the gate. We had our first 30 customers in 2009. And then our goal was to get to 100 customers. Eventually, we serviced over 1,100 clients, 1,100 small wow. businesses. And what happened is at a certain point, we started realizing that the businesses were going out of business. We got them to the top of Google, but they were going out of business anyway because they weren't either they weren't run properly or they were running out of cash or there's so many other reasons. And we decided to change our business model. And my partner left a couple of years back. But we decided to change our business model to focus on B2B marketing because we wanted to focus on larger companies. And during the journey, we decided to create a back-end product for B2B companies called lead nurturing, called account-based marketing, sales enablement. So if you're a B2B company that has a sales team, that has a marketing team, this is what we're doing right now. We have a small team. We have a small amount of clients right now that we're servicing on a very high level. So companies that are 10 to $100 million in annual sales that have a sales team, have a marketing team, we're providing them with a high level of B2B marketing. So we install technology. We have reporting. We create a digital marketing strategy for them. So it's very, very specific. And for the small businesses, what we're rolling out this year is all about LinkedIn. So if you want to be an authority on LinkedIn, the same thing we did in 2009 for small business for SEO, we're now doing it for smart, small businesses that are B2B, specifically on LinkedIn. So we have a LinkedIn prospecting plan, and we're going to be launching a LinkedIn blueprint, an authority blueprint now that allows business owners and professionals that have small businesses to be able to properly leverage LinkedIn to get referrals in their B2B company. So that's yeah. kind of like the idea where we were and where we are and where we're going. Love it. Love it. Full of passion. Full of passion. So, I mean, well, first of all, I mean, LinkedIn, you and I both know we've been following social media for a long time. LinkedIn was pretty much dead up until maybe around two years ago. And then all of a sudden they just started bursting out and becoming like a real powerhouse. I mean, maybe some people were using it and knew how to use it back then. But in terms of being a key uh, part of any company's marketing tool, it was sort of like left on the side for a while. Yeah, LinkedIn was a complete waste of time three years ago because it was all about connecting with people that you already knew. It was kind of like a contact database for people that you know. They didn't let you connect with random people. Actually, they blocked you if you tried to connect with too many random people. They were like, you're spamming. So that's why it never really took off. Now it's a real social network. Now that Microsoft paid $26.2 billion for mm -hmm. LinkedIn. And now that LinkedIn has half a billion people on it and the average CEO has 930 connections and growing rapidly because the connection requests are just flying in right now because now you don't need to know the person to connect with them. You can literally connect with anybody right now. And now that LinkedIn has video and images and articles, everything that it did over the past two years to really make it a B2B content marketing machine. Now, this is the reason why we're rolling this out now because Microsoft is taking this very, very seriously and they are trying to become the Facebook for business because there are some other people that are out there trying to build the same thing. And now that Microsoft made that investment, 
They see the power. Most of LinkedIn's revenue always came from recruiting. They made so much money from recruiting, they didn't care about marketing. They made literally zero money from marketing. Right. They weren't getting any ads. But Google, all the revenue comes from marketing. Facebook, all the revenue comes from marketing. So if you want to go from having a company that, you know, they pay $26 billion for it, but if you want to double your revenue, they're not going to be able to double it from recruiting. They've been trying that for a decade. What instead they need to do is they're going to be able to 10x the amount of money they make from B2B lead generation and marketing and sales navigator and that type of stuff. And I see that expanding rapidly. Why do you think Microsoft stock is at an all-time high? Facebook stock is at an all-time high. These things work, and they work not just because people are buying into it, but because people are using it. There's so much user-generated content. There's so much influence that you can have. If you're a small business owner and you're in the B2B space, if you're a professional, whether you're an accountant, a lawyer, you're providing other businesses with services, you must be on LinkedIn. And if you're not sure what to do, follow me. See what I do. I post either a video or an article or a post or a question or something every single day. And we're doing this for our clients now because it's so amazing the results that we get. I just closed a $180,000 deal on LinkedIn. It just, it, it really, really works. You target the people you wow. want to target. You have the right strategy. This stuff works. And the reason why it works is because people are on it and they're paying attention. You know what? And also, I think, you know, as you touched on before with the, uh, when you were talking about Harvard, right? Really business comes down to relationships. It's really about building those relationships, having them. And, uh, it, you know, people want to work with people that they know and that they trust. And I think, and that's one of the reasons, you know, when my company book like a boss has really started to take off because we presented it, that it's not just a calendar app, but it's a place where people can learn about who you are, what you do and have a real understanding of, uh, of what it is that you offer. Like, and that's one of the things that I still find as a bit deficient with LinkedIn is you go to LinkedIn, you see guys profile and you learn about it, but what, how do I take that to the next level? Right, so LinkedIn, you got you got to actually contact the person, and then you got to hit him up with a message. You know, sort of with book like a boss is that we allow you to take it to the next level from the profile page. But um, I, you know, I agree. I think it's really really is all about relationships. It's about who you know, and you know, when it comes down to it, people want to work with people that they know, like, and trust. Yeah, and and you know, when you're building out your funnel, and I always tell people you have to have a marketing funnel. If you don't have a marketing funnel, you're not going to have fun doing marketing because you're going to try to close people that are not closable. And so the funnel, the top of the funnel is all about education-based marketing, getting people to know you. When you're getting somebody to know you, you don't want to sell them anything, right? Nahum, you don't want to sell them anything. You want to, that's why you have a podcast. Your podcast is for the top of the funnel. The people that are not ready to buy yet and, but they don't even know who you are and they're getting to know who you are. They're getting to know who your guests are. They're getting to know your interview style. They're getting to know because you're adding value and you're literally just giving value. That's the top of the funnel, getting them to know you. Middle of the funnel is people that already know you, getting them to trust you. How do you get people to trust you? By showing case studies, by giving out white papers, by showing them what's working in the business and by talking a little bit about what you do and your success. So once they know you, you get them to trust you, but that's fewer people in the funnel. So it's called a funnel is because it's shaped like a funnel. Top of the funnel is very wide. Middle of the funnel, people that trust you is smaller. And then in the bottom of the funnel, it's all about getting people to like you. So once they, once on the top of the funnel, they know you, middle of the funnel, they trust you, you get them to like you, 
people will do business with you if they like you, they trust you, and they know you. If they don't know who you are and they don't trust you, they're not going to do business with you. And if they don't like you, they're going to do business with a competitor that they like. So ultimately, at the end of the day, your job is to stay in front of people, take them through your funnel, take them through your buyer's journey, and help them be able to go from the top of the funnel to the bottom line. Absolutely. I've seen so many failed businesses because they just focus on price. How can I be cheaper? How can I offer the best discount? And you and I both know that any real business, any company that wants to be successful, it's not always about price. You know, price can sometimes be important. You got to be, you know, you got to be efficient with, with your money. But at the same time, it's, you know, people and you do it and I do it, we'll spend more money if we trust and know the person and feel that we have that relationship. And it's also about value, the right value proposition for your right client. So your, your price is just one aspect of the value that you bring. So if you're the lowest cost provider and that's the only value you bring, you're not going to be able to succeed. I once got a contractor's business card. In the back of the business card, he said, you have three options. You could either choose the cheapest price. You could either choose the lowest quality, which, you know, you're, you have to choose price. You have to choose quality and you have to use, choose speed. Those are three things. You got to choose one of them. Which one's most important to you? Do you want the speed? You're going to lack in quality. Lack in, you're gonna, it's going to cost you more in price. You want a really low price? Well, it's going to really take a long time and the quality is going to be really low. And sometimes you can pick two, but you can't get all three. If you get all three, you're getting a mediocre result. Ikea, they have the lowest price, but it takes a really long time to build and the quality is really low. Right. When you go to Accentuations by Design in Borough Park, you're going to get a really, really high price, but the thing's going to get delivered right away because they have it in the store and the quality is going to be really, really high. So you have to decide which one you're going to choose. Same thing with graphic designers. There's you know, a Venn diagram where you can see which one do you want. You want the cheapest price? You want the fastest speed? Or you want the highest quality? You got to decide which one you want and you got to know where you're going to sacrifice. So value proposition is based on who your target market is. A person that goes to Ikea is not the same person that goes to accentuation by design. The person who goes to pomegranate is not the same person who goes to the Kylo store. They're different demographics. You know, when I used to go to the Kylo store, you have one experience. When you walk into pomegranate, you have 1700 different types of cheeses and they're all, <laughs> which of course we all need. Yeah, of course. We all need so many different types of kishkes and cakes and all that stuff. Look, but at the end of the day is you figure out who you're talking to and then you could build your multi-million dollar business or whatever your dream is you're going to be able to give your customers what they want if you first know who they are and how you can serve them. Absolutely. You know, let's, let's move to uh, something a little bit more personal and hope that's uh, okay with you. Yeah. We're not filming live, but uh, you did. I mean, when I started following getting to know you, you were, as you said, just said about a hundred pounds more overweight. Then all of a sudden I just started watching your videos. You started drinking. I don't know what was in those things, but you just, you really, knocked it off. So what, what happened that made you want to make this change in life? How did you do it? And I just want to personally say I, I've been inspired. Oh, thank you very much. Yes. So people ask me this all the time, Joe, how do I lose weight quickly? And I said, take a moment, take, let's talk about it quickly for cheap. <laughs> I said, if you want to gain weight quickly, I can tell you how to do it. Go to kosher delight. It's called fast food because you gain weight fast. I always tell people that's, that's what it is. You know, you know, ultimately, the food is a disease. If you have diabetes, it's the food. If you have like all this thing that all these issues that we have in our physical body, it's because we are giving our bodies the wrong food. But how did I get to this to begin with? I was sitting on the couch, my company hitting 5,000, one of the fastest growing companies in America, 
I was on the board of non-for-profits. I'm like the successful guy. I'm a certified Google trainer. I'm on stage. My life is amazing. And I'm sitting on the couch like a couch potato with my hand in a, a bag of onion garlic potato chips. And I'm watching my kids play. They're playing and I'm videotaping them with my phone. I'm videotaping them with my phone and they're playing and playing and having a good time. And then they come back to me like, let's watch the video you just took. So we're watching the video. And in the background of the video, I hear a loud heaving sound. Sounds like an elephant trying to get through a plastic bag. And my wife's like, I tell my wife, what's that noise? She's like, that's you breathing. And I said, wow, that's how I sound when I breathe. She's like, yeah, you're not going to be a, around for much longer if you keep fussing like that. Get your hand out of the potato chip bag. Wow. Stop it already. You're getting fatter every year. And the fact is I was gaining weight. When I was married, I was over 200 pounds, but I kept gaining weight every year in my business because I was really stressed out. I was working 16 hours a day and I would go to Caps Bakery and I would buy a bunch of barrecas for breakfast with a, with a, you know, I thought that if I wanted energy, I needed more food. I would go to Costco and I would buy cases of licorice and jelly beans. I wanted to hype up my employees and get them all full of sugar and I would buy them sushi and pizza. Someone once told me that, that it's like kosher food is all fast food because that's what they experienced at my company. I would always buy food from Kosher Delight for everyone. And that's kind of like the, the, you know, one of the ways that we celebrated when we moved into our first office is we bought tons of food from Kosher Delight. I remember that clearly my partner's parents bought tons of food from Kosher Delight and they brought it after a hard day of moving and all that. And we celebrated by eating double burger delights. And that was my life. My life was that. And I realized, you know what? I have to make a change. I told my wife, could you help me go on a diet? You've helped me in the past and I lost five pounds. And she's like, no, I can't help you. You're too addicted to food and you love food too much. You need to figure this out. So then I went to my buddies and I said, guys, let's go and hang out and talk about how we can lose weight. So we went to Le Marais. And after having a couple <laughs> of appetizers and a <laughs> dish and French fries and a couple of desserts and drinks, I realized these guys are not going to help me lose weight because we're all fressers together. Right. We're all FFBs, fressers from birth. That's what we are. <laughs> fressers from birth. Pressers from birth. And that's what we did. So I said, you know what? This is what we're going to do. I'm going to give up. I'm done. I'm giving up. There's no way I'm ever going to lose weight. I have big bones. I went to my doctor. I said, doc, I think I have big bones. He's like, no, dude, you have a big appetite. You got to figure out how to lose weight. So I said, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure this out. And I'm like thinking about this a lot. And then also one day I was looking for parking in Brooklyn. I don't know if you know this, but in, par in Brooklyn, it's very difficult to find parking, especially on my block. So I decided I'm going to wait. I waited, waited, waited. Nothing happened. I said, I'm going to drive two, three blocks, even though I hate walking. So we dr I drove around the corner two, three blocks away, and I parked the car. And as I'm crossing Eastern Parkway, I pull out my phone, and I look at my notifications on Facebook. Then I had Facebook on my phone. I look at my notifications on Facebook, and I notice that nobody likes anything. Nobody likes me on Facebook. I post stuff all the time about my business, about what I'm up to, and nobody likes anything because I wasn't authentic, but I was just posting stuff. And so I, I just decided in that moment, I said, I have a bunch of friends here. I don't know if you guys are really my friends, but I want to lose weight and I don't know what to do. I'm pretty desperate at this point. And I said, if you like this post, I will go for one minute per like. I will run one minute per like. I remember. I actually remember. I was one of those people that were, that were following you at that time. And I turned and I, my phone And I thought it was the most gutsy thing in the world because if you fail, you're failing publicly about something so personal in front of the world. Yeah, yeah. And there were hundreds and hundreds of people that knew me personally that were on there. And I said, I'm just posting this. And I posted it. And then I went to sleep. And in the morning, 10 people had liked that post. And I was blown away. I was like, I got 10 likes. I never get any likes. The only person that ever likes is my mother. 
nobody ever likes anything. So I said, you know what? This is amazing. I just got attention. Maybe I can make money off this too, but let me try to use this to lose weight. <laughs> so I go for a 10 minute walk, you know, on Eastern Parkway and I'm exhausted and I take a picture and a video of myself and I tell everyone, oh my God, thank you so much. I really did it. I have proof. And then the next day, and I say, if you want me to do this, like it again, and tomorrow I'll do a minute per like. And the next day I got 20 likes. And the next day I got 30 likes. And the next day I got 50 likes. And before you know it, I was getting 70 likes a day. And I said, if 70 people are getting up every morning and motivating me for me to go around Prospect Park, I'm going to do this. And I posted a video of me. And you could see the videos. If you go back on my profile, sometimes I even share the videos from back then of me being this bloated very large human being speaking slowly and out of breath from walking. I was like trying to run, but I wasn't really running because I had so much, you know, think about it. I had over 95 pounds of additional weight on my body. So pulling all that baggage around, emotional baggage was very difficult for me. But after doing that, I stopped. I used to drink six snapples a day, six snapples a day. And my doctor would be like, dude, you're going to get diabetes if you drink so much snapple. I was like, wow. dude, but it's made from the best stuff on earth. Look. <laughs> it says it right there. <laughs> it says it right there, and it has healthy peach flavor. He's like, dude, you're going to get sick. You got to stop eating that. You got to drink water. So I started drinking water, and as you can see, as we were doing this interview, I drank 16 ounces of water, and what I quickly learned is the more water I drink, the more energy I have, and I, I learned, I did a study on water, and, and there's actually a study that shows that a 5% drop in hydration, a scientific study shows that it, a 5% drop in hydration is a 30% drop in energy in athletes. That means if you don't drink enough water, your body needs two liters a day to function because when you exhale, you're actually exhaling water. When you're talking, you're exhaling water. You're losing uh, moisture and your body's 80% water. So if you get a 5% drop in hydration, you're not going to have energy. And people think they need coffee. They wake up. They're like, oh, I'm so tired. I need my coffee. No, you need water. You need 16 ounces to 32 ounces of water in the first couple of hours of waking up because you're dehydrated while you're sleeping, you're completely dehydrated yourself, you gotta fill up on water. And most people don't know this. So that's you know the first thing that I did was water. And then I cut out five ingredients from my diet. And by the way, I, I wrote all this. People keep asking me over and over, how did you do it? So I just wrote a 90-page ADD-friendly book um, called High Energy Secrets. My goal is to sell 125,000 copies of this book because I really wanna make an impact on people. How do you, uh, how do you get it? So you go on Amazon.com, you just search Joe Apfelbaum or you search High Energy Secrets and you can buy the book. If you want to buy the ebook, you can go to highenergysecrets.com. You can buy a PDF there. So the idea is that the, the book and there are five ingredients. So I'm, Wait, there are five me, can I guess? Can I guess? Yeah, go. All right, sugar? Yes. White flour? Yes. That's all I got. <laughs> okay, so there's S, the acronym is SFRPP. SFRPP. Sugar, flour, by the way, white flour, all flour. It's all, all flour. flour. Oh, wow. There's no flour. If you want to lose weight, you got to cut out all flour. So, right, uh, so sugar, flour, rice, potatoes, and pasta, SFRPP. Sugar, flour, rice, potatoes, and pasta. I used to think rice was healthy. I literally said, I'm going to the Chinese restaurant, and I'm getting lots of white rice. Can you give me an extra bin of white rice? Because I need to get my health in there. I need to get healthy. And, and the chicken is protein, but the chicken is coated in cornstarch and batter and sugar, you're literally, when you're eating sesame chicken with white rice, just because there's a piece of broccoli in there that's completely covered <laughs> sugar, it doesn't mean you're eating something healthy. As a matter of fact, your body's either in burn fat mode or in store fat mode. And most of us are consistently keeping our body in store fat mode. There are two modes. There's either drive or reverse. 
Most people are driving their life in reverse, looking in the rearview mirror. And if you're driving in reverse, you're basically storing fat for the future. And your body was made to store fat because there used to be this thing called a famine. Have you ever heard of a famine? My grandfather used to say, whenever we'd come over and the food would come out, everybody would grab food. He used to yell, because that was the idea. The idea was there used to be famine. So our bodies are accustomed to storing a tremendous amount of potential energy. People think that calories are energy. Calories are not energy. Calories are potential energy. And if you don't use it, it gets stored for later. So what happens is when you're in storage mode, anytime you eat any bread, sugar, rice, flour, potatoes, pasta, that stuff helps your body store energy for the future. And if you're 20 pounds overweight, 50 pounds overweight, 100 pounds overweight, you don't need to store additional energy. You have enough energy to last you for many months. But what you do need is a tremendous amount of water, half your weight in ounces, because the way that you get rid of the energy, the way you get rid of the fat is through your urine, believe it or not. You can actually pish fat out. So it's very important for you to drink enough water, go to the bathroom every hour to two hours, and that will get rid of all the fat in your body over the next year or two I years. Think, I think you should have, that should have been the name of your book, Pish Fat Out. Pish fat out. That's it. Pish the fat out. That would be a really funny name of a book. But you know, the, the idea is you got to get rid of the fat somehow. You got it in through your mouth and your mouth is, you know, most people have a very big mouth. But to get it out, you got to get, get rid of it by, by eating the right things, by not eating the wrong things mainly. And most people don't know how to fast. We just came off to Shabbat which is a beautiful fast day that, you know, one day will be very beautiful. But right now, you know, we're mourning. Um, and so, but, you know, at the end of the day is I didn't even winch. I, I was totally fine fasting because I didn't have the energy high, energy low. Because if you're off sugar, your body burns the fat and you don't need to eat as long as you hydrate well, as long as you have your electrolytes. And people don't even know what electrolyte. People think electrolytes, it's vitamin water is electrolytes. No, Gatorade, no, no. Gatorade. Yeah, Gatorade. I have a chapter on my book about electrolytes. Electrolytes is very simple. It's certain minerals that you need in your body in order for you to have electricity in your, that's what's called electrolytes. Your body, your energy level is based on how much uh, con conductivity your body can have, how much electricity you can have. So I actually studied this and I realized the reason why salt is so important in our diet, people think that, oh, salt, we take salt for granted, everything has sodium in it. But there's, you know, salt comes from the word salary. And people used to pay other people a salary with salt because salt is literally life or death. If you don't have salt, your heart can't work. You don't have, it's an electrolyte. Salt is an electrolyte. It's actually something that you need in order for you. And your body manages how much salt you have based on how much water you have. So if you have a certain amount of water, you need a certain amount of salt that goes along with that water in order for you to maintain your energy levels. And the same thing with potassium. Most people are potassium deficient. They think potassium is only in bananas. Potassium is in all forms of food, all forms of vegetables. There's a lot of potassium in vegetables, but you can actually buy salt alternative, which is actually potassium, and put potassium in your drink. So you can actually create a motivation cocktail, which has sodium, potassium, magnesium, calcium, and you get all the different electrolytes in your body, and your energy levels stay way, way up, and I can fast for five days if I want. I'm not suggesting that you do this. And by the way, anything that you do, go speak to your doctor first, but read the book. You'll see my journey. You'll see the things that I learned, and I realized that, holy crap, I can run a half a marathon while I'm fasting. That's what I, by the way, I did this past year. I ran 13 miles, over 13 miles while I was fasting. And all I had was my motivation cocktail and my energy was up. I finished in two hours and nine minutes. And that was the first half marathon I ever succeeded. And my last one, 
I tried to do for the friendship circle while I was majorly overweight. I was 240 pounds and I was during my weight loss. I thought, oh my gosh, I can do this. I lost 37 pounds. I'm ready to do a marathon. Mile 10, I fell apart completely. I was dehydrated. I didn't drink enough water. I haven't practiced. I was carrying way too much weight. I just weighed myself this morning. I was 170 pounds. I kept the weight off. I measure. And here are seven quick tips. I can give everybody the seven daily reminders. Every single day, I have seven. I write about this in my book also. Seven daily reminders. Number one is measure. If you don't know how much you weigh, if you don't know what your goal is, you're never going to get there. And that applies to your business. That applies to your relationship. But mostly, it applies for your weight. Measure your weight every single day and find out what your goal is and are you moving towards your goal or are you moving your way from your goal? And whether you're moving closer or further, don't fret, don't freak out, just know where you are and write it down in your journal. So measure every day. Step number two is water. The most important thing that you can do for your body, for your mind, for your energy, for your health is drink more water. People are walking around dehydrated and wondering why they have no energy. Step number three is gratitude. Believe it or not, gratitude helps us stay positive. You cannot be angry and grateful at the same time. The entire premise of davening is all about haidul Hashem kitayv, is all about gratitude, thanking, brachas. We do 100 brachas a day because we're all about thanking. I never really got this until I got into business, until I got into self-improvement. I didn't understand the power of true gratitude with everything you have in your body, every fiber of your being. Find foods that you could be grateful for. Find the right foods, find the right information you could be grateful for, find the right people you could be grateful for, and you'll have a more pleasant and happier life. And you won't have to rely on food to bring you happiness. For me, I always relied on food to bring me happiness. Actually, gratitude and progress bring you happiness, not food. So get off the food, get off the addiction. That's number three. Number four is communication. Communicate. One of the ways that I lost weight was by communicating with other people on Facebook and letting people know that I'm on a journey and being vulnerable. The key is to communicate. Let people know what your goals are. Not everyone. You have to tell every person what your goal is, but people that really care about you and that will motivate you and inspire you and your coaches and your mentors and the people in your life that actually care about you, tell them where you want to go and they're going to help you get there faster. Number five is all about learning. There's all the learning in the world, but if you're not reading a book every single month, if you're not going deep on a book every single month, you're missing out big time because the knowledge is available. So buy the books, buy the From Entrepreneur book, buy Book Like a Boss. What's your book name? From Entrepreneur. From Entrepreneur. Buy the book. If you haven't read it, it's an amazing read. Read the book. It's clear. It's easy to read. I highly recommend people buy it on Amazon, right? Yeah. So when you're going there to look for high energy secrets, buy the From Entrepreneur too. Buy both books. Read them. Master them. If you're not learning every single day, you're not growing. If you're not growing, you're dying. If you're literally not reading every single day, you're not going to feel that progress. You're not going to feel that happiness. And then contribution is number six. Give back to other people. If you learned the olive base, if you know a little bit, if you know a little bit, you got to teach what you know. So in business, you got to be a thought leader. You got to teach. In health, if you learned a little bit about health, whether it's through my book or through your own experience, teach it to other people because if you can contribute, that's the ultimate way to get fulfillment. You don't get fulfillment by having success in business. You don't have fulfillment by getting success anywhere else. You get fulfillment by tzedakah, by giving to other people, by contributing. And my form of tzedakah is teaching and coaching and mentoring and podcasts like this. This is my form of giving back. And then finally, if you really, really want to be happy, you really want to feel like complete, you need to figure out how to get present. Number seven is getting present, getting in the now, getting in touch with your body, getting in touch with your emotions, getting in touch with your mind, getting in touch with yourself, not being afraid to be alone, not being afraid to literally get in touch with your breath and experience life fully. 
Start being more present. We're always worried about the past. We're always concerned about the future. Get in the now. Try to be like when you're eating, put your fork down and actually taste the food. I used to be a, like a vacuum cleaner and I would literally vacuum everything else in front of me. Put the challah down. Put the challah down. Relax. <laughs> Take it easy. Enjoy the food. Enjoy your family. Try to find other things that you can be present with. And if you could experience more of life and you do these seven things, you'll have a better life. Wow. I mean, Joe, you just, I should, actually now I just found out it's Rabbi Joe, but uh, you just totally blew me away. And I know uh, our listeners also really, and now I, I get the whole motivation thing. <laughs> I'm feeling uh, very pumped up. But let me ask something just because, you know, I tend, people don't know this about me, but I tend to be a little overweight. I guess so. Let's see the video. So like I've been struggling, it's something I've struggled with, you know, my entire life. You know, thank God I, I did lose it's hard to believe I lost a hundred pounds and have kept it off at wow. one point, uh, you know, when my uh, special needs son was, was born, I wow. gained a hundred pounds over that year, wow. uh, thinking I was coping well with the situation, but I, apparently I wasn't. So thank God I was able to lose, you know, lose a little bit more than a hundred and keep it off. But you know, you, you say no flour. Great. How do you do? Chal- how do you have challah on Shabbos? How do you have sudas? You have kiddishes. You have, you know, us Jews, we, every celebration is surrounded about food, right? And, you're and, and you love food, right? Yeah. I love food. I love challah. I love dips. You know, I used to get like dozens of dips, every type of dip, every jalapeno dip, tomato dip, every dip and dip and uh, extra large challah in it. And I'm going to tell you right now something very, very difficult that from people need to hear. If you're 100 pounds overweight, if you're 100 pounds overweight, it's usher for you to eat challah. Ask your rub. If you're 100 pounds overweight, don't eat challah. Don't freaking eat challah for 90 days. See what happens. Ask your rub for a heter not to eat challah. And if you want to eat on Shabbos, eat a kazayas or a kabeya or whatever it is. What do you do now? What do you, what do you do now? You're motivated. Right now lost, I eat challah. Right? I got to my goal. I eat challah. I eat two slices of delicious, unbelievable, white, fluffy challah every single Shabbos. But during the week, I will not touch bread. And every single meal I will eat on Shabbos, if I eat Friday night, I'll have challah because I got to my goal weight. So what do you eat? So what do you, you get to go? What do you eat? Do you, you eat salad during the I'll week? eat salad. I'll eat a tremendous amount of salad. I'll eat fish. I'll eat, I'll eat the course. I'll have chicken soup, but then I'm done. I, I don't have to, once I'm full, I'm done. I don't have to eat the third course or the fourth course or the 17th course. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to eat a dessert, I'll eat a piece of the dessert. I won't eat the entire cake. On Shabbos morning, instead of eating cake, I drink water. I drink a tremendous amount of water. I used to eat an entire box of, brown, of three-color cookies are my favorite. I still love them. Three-color cookies, a big thing of cheesecake. The, ra- the rainbow cookies? Yeah, the rainbow cookies. I Those are my favorite them. also. Oh, my God. Yes, yeah. they're amazing. <laughs> they're I would the eat the entire tray. I would eat the entire tray of cookies. But wow. that will literally cause me to become massive. So if I eat a three-color cookie, I'll eat one once in a while. Maybe on my birthday or maybe on a special holiday, I'll have one three-color cookie. And then I won't have the rest of them and I'm done and I'll enjoy that one. I'll be present with that one so much that, you know, it's kind of like, you know, the reason we have mikvah so you can actually enjoy it. So you can be pure and enjoy it. But the same thing with if you overdo the stuff, if you overdo the taivas, you're going to end up suffering. So if you're on a weight loss journey, if you're looking to get to a certain goal, whatever that goal is, literally cut it all out while you're on the journey. Once you get to your goal, you can introduce it in moderation and you could eat it in moderation and enjoy all types of food. I went to Mr. Broadway the other day and I had sesame chicken with white rice and I enjoyed it. Wow. I don't, I'm telling you right now, once I'm at my goal and I, and I see the weight gain on the scale, I see I gained three pounds. 
And now I'm going to run and I'm going to cut it out for the next two, three weeks in order for me to get those three pounds down. So it's a constant struggle. It's a lifetime struggle. But you know what? At least I'm aware and I know that if I don't want to get back to 265 pounds and I want to stay at 170, which is very, very, very difficult. Sure. You got to not fress like a chazer. And if, you want to, if you're at 265 right now or at 300 pounds right now, get, set a goal. So I want you to set a goal right now. What is your goal weight? And by the end of this year, by December 31st, 2018, where do you, what do you want to weigh? Set a goal, share it publicly. It doesn't matter what you weigh. Nobody knows the difference, but set a public goal. Set a public goal of where you want to weigh and don't make it more than 10% of your body weight. I always tell people, don't try to go crazy. 10% right. of your body weight is a good number for you to lose over the course of six months, 90 days even. 10% of your body. So if you right now, if you weigh 280 pounds yeah. and you want to lose 28 pounds by the end of the year, that's a good number. That's massive. You'll probably lose two sizes in pants and a size in shirt if you do that. And if you maintain that, and, and then the next year you said, I'm going to lose another 10% of my weight. And in three years, you literally compounded, have lost 100 pounds. Wow. It took me six years to lose it and keep it off. And I talk in my book, I have every time I hit a plateau, what I needed to do in order to get past that plateau. Because your body's not going to allow you to suddenly lose all the weight because it thinks, holy crap, hang on a second, something's going wrong. And it's going to give you all these reasons psychologically, mentally, physically, emotionally for you to hold on to the weight. So it's very important for you to, to, to realize you take one step at a time, one step at a time, and that will help you, enable you to be able to take your life and your business to the next level. And you, you exercise every day? Every single day. I don't exercise to lose weight. I exercise to remain energetic, to remain happy, to remain f like, there's something called endorphins sure. that get produced in your body when you exercise. And I do it for the endorphins. I don't... It, it, exercise is not going to help you lose weight. It'll help you maintain your fitness, but it's not, going to, it's not the key to losing weight. You exercise to feel happy. So what's the key? Just eating the right food and getting drinking a lot of water. Getting rid of the wrong foods. That's the key. The key is more drinking half your weight in ounces and getting rid of the wrong foods and you're on your way. Amazing. And setting a goal and being motivated to get to that goal and letting the world know that you have that goal. Amazing. So if you want to set your goal in this podcast, go ahead and set a goal. I don't care what the number is. Pick a number. How much weight do you want to lose in the next in the next, let's say, five months by the end of the year. Amazing. All right, Joe, this has been absolutely awesome. Uh, thank you so much for taking, uh, you know, so much of your time, which I know is uh, very valuable. And I, I know our listeners are really going to enjoy this podcast. I, I'm feeling inspired. I absolutely loved it. It was great. You know, we've met a few times, but it's really great to get to know more of your story about Ajax, about your book, about your health. I mean, you really shared so much. Um, so, again, thank you for, for joining us on this uh, episode. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. And if you want to set up a call with me, if you're struggling and you want to set up a call with me, I'm happy to talk to anybody for 15 minutes. Go to joeapfelbaum.com slash talk. Set up a call with me. I'm happy to talk to anyone listening to this. Thank you very much. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait, wait. We, we can't send them there because you don't use book like a boss. You use one of our competitors. Oh, do I? Okay. Yeah, so we we got to change, change it. We're going to have to hook you up. <laughs> hook me up. Thank you very much. And get motivated. Woo! 
Thank you for listening to the From Entrepreneur Podcast with Nahum Kligman. We hope you learned something valuable and will share this with your friends. For show notes, archives of previous episodes, and more information to help you start and grow your business, please visit our website, www.fromentrepreneur.com. Listen, learn, be Masliak.